Welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where there is someone else, another stranger, Super Metal Brother Matt. Our Super Metal Brother Dan yeah, Me. Yeah, that's right. We listened to a bit of Blind Guardian this week. I'm not too sure why, man. There's no really reason, but I guess that's the way it is with the LA weather. It just changes for no real reason as well. So why not go over the tides? Exactly. And especially like with the Winter Olympics on, and here we've got like the heat here. It's kind of like that dichotomy where. You don't know what to do. Like, do I have an ice cream or do I have a beer or do I have like a hot chocolate? Because my mind and my body aren't one. Ah, look, it's always beer. And it's always Super Metal Brothers. We're actually going to talk a little bit about the Winter Olympics today and also a new metal resurgence. There was a uh, top 40 poll of the best new metal songs. Uh, So we'll that story as well. But more importantly, again, is our story this week, which we asked our fans, what is your worst gig that you have ever been to and why? Well, you know, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts and feelings around this. They've been to a lot of good shows. What about that bad show that you've had? So that's another one to talk about. And also, um, I guess the CD review this week was In Veins, a little known band that I've uh, found. It's also a band that's uh, a bit of a prog twist, but we'll talk about that later on, Danny, as well. Yes, I think we shall. But let's go straight to the news. And straight off the bat, let's talk Winter Olympics with the Olympic snowboarder who jammed to Metallica, Slayer and Judas Priest before winning the gold medal. Now, uh, obviously, medal does inspire people to do great things. In this case here, we're talking about winning uh, the prestigious gold award. Danny, what songs do you think the guy was listening to, though? I mean, listening to Metallica can mean anything from like you know the actual metal stuff to the stuff they're doing now. Yeah, true. I mean, he said, what, Metallica, Juice, Priest, and Slayer. So, yeah. you know, he's got the classics lined up, which are very good. Um, it's actually funny because talk about Blind Guardian, this is snowboarding. So, you want that song Fly from Blind Guardian? Oh, but he did <laughs> listen to Fly. Maybe yeah. someone else can win even more better gold medal by listening to that. I mean, Juice Priest, he probably listens to Painkiller because these guys here are just <laughs> yeah, like, the knee ma- reconstructions more than they had like Hot Mills. It's got to be something like Raining Blood or something from Slayer, surely. Like, it's got to be yeah. the classics, right? Oh, Something like that. Uh, Metallica, I don't know, maybe Master Puppet. Yeah, or something. It, it would have been all the classics, you know, because that's what people do, right? But in saying that, hey, listen, metal is metal, right? But it was so. cool, though, because the interview was like, oh, what'd you do this morning? So I got up at 6.30, blasted like Slayer, Metallica, and Judas Priest, had some healthy food, won a gold medal. So, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good thing. It's that simple. Um, what about listening to um, the French Olympic figure skaters with their Disturbed song? Well, it's not really a Disturbed song, is it? It's actually a Simon and Garfunkel song that Disturbed have to just copy and then uh, get a lot of recognition for. Oh, man, so much money off it. Yeah. Wow, good on them. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Like, just imagine that. Like You're taking someone else's work, um, sitting in the studio for a day and make tons of money and recognition for it. That sounds like a good idea. Sounds like pop music, but uh, yeah. hey... We're not here to judge, are we? But obviously, Disturbed weren't metal enough because they did not win gold on their performance. So, no, nah, I went know. to the Germans, apparently, of course, right? More clinical than uh, a clinic of yeah. clinics. More relation to Blind Guardian, who are also Germans. Oh, you see, there you see you go. This is just going full. I think we're going to move off now from the Winter Olympics before Daniel has a Blind Guardian gasm and talk about why, um, I guess, uh, Machine Head's Rob Flynn, you can't have a plan when starting in the music business. That's kind of weird because generally with getting into businesses, you have like an idea of making money return. Is Rob Flynn foreshadowing the market right now for, for people out there that, you know, you're not going to get money going into this. So why plan it? Well, what do you think he means by it? That actually would be a good point. It's like there's no point having a business plan if there's no business out there. So yeah. that, that's, that's something there. But I reckon it has more to do with his like latest album, how they wrote the album. 
because mm. there was clearly no plan. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, I just want to do what I want to do. Screw you. Right. Yeah, it really did feel like that. Um, I also think that now the internet hasn't really caught up as far as the music side is concerned. Like we talked about with Spotify and YouTube and stuff, how people are not making a cent off of their hard work. So maybe that's the thing as well. Like if you do have a business model of getting a return back, like it's hard to see it back because nothing's going to do it. People aren't buying CDs anymore from like Target and Best Buy and stuff. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit tricky, but then again, um, I guess it's the way the nation's going. We have to catch up. Mm. Uh, what about we're talking about Limp Biscuit, Wes Ballin and blink Wait 2s drummer Travis Barker. They've got a new project. Apparently, they wrote seven songs in 12 hours, Danny. Um, I don't think I can do anything uh, for 12 hours that comes in sevens. Maybe... No, I can't even take poos that often. What do you, th- uh, what do you think they're doing in the studio? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like... You know, unless they wrote one song, which is like seven minutes, and they break it up to like 12 parts. Yeah, yeah okay, we wrote a, wait, whatever, wait, is that the correct? I think no. if he came in with the, like one of the guys came in with seven songs and the other guy had to add other things to it, yeah, I could see that, but that's a lot of, I mean, unless we're going for like grindcore times here, then yeah. maybe, you know, there's seven songs or whatever. It's like. half a song, man. I yeah. mean, that's, then, then how do you excuse him for taking so long to write albums? It's like, oh, technically that's an album a day. I'm not sure, man. I'm not even sure what it would sound like because will yeah. it be more metal or more punk? That's the kind of the thing. I think Travis Barker can do both, to be honest. And Wes Borland, I'm sure he's like weird enough to kind of embrace the unknown strangeness. But I mean, he just wrote new metal. Apparently, he doesn't like metal. So what's he going to write? I don't know, what is this going to be? Who knows? This could be just like nothing. It could be like another uh, Suicide Silence or Machine Head album. Yeah, just one of those ones that they can just like do whatever the hell they want, fart on an album, and like the hardcore fans will buy it. And the metal is giving, I mean, metal industry is giving it advertisement. So Let's is that all like, you need? Yeah, they could go like full Doom album because that's like literally three notes a song. So that's that yeah. could be done in twelve that, hours. There's a business model. Find an already established musician, piggyback offset musician, make dollars, or at least get you know recognition for it. You mean like? Arch enemy of Jeff Lewis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly really what true, I mean, man. Yeah. It's not true, but like surely Jeff would be getting paid the money he's more entitled to deserve. He should be, be getting like, you know, um, pop music, like, you know, one of the seven writers for Beyonce levels of money, but, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, Randy Bythe reveals the Lamb of God song that he's most proud of and the answer is King Me. He believes that he's pretty self-critical and self-aware song. Um I don't know, like, I guess that's the thing about artists, it's like, shouldn't it be like the one that puts you into the stratosphere, but for these guys, they're more in tune to what's more personal to them. What is your, what song do you think from Lamb of God put them, that they should be most proud of, Danny? Oh, that's a gee, big question. Uh, I guess Walk With Me is, uh, it was a Walk With Me Through Hell, whatever that one there, that's, yeah. that's a decent song. Um, Redneck is because that, they did a film clip for that one, and that got them like, popular based on like yuppie popularity well that was the thing because like the label said that they didn't have a song and apparently he, he has to write that in the studio and he, and he got kept on turning down and then eventually the guitarist mike morton came in slammed the song on the desk and said here's your damn song and the, the label loved it yeah. so where's to be proud of i've probably got a lot of ill feelings around it um uh the stuff that earlier stuff i'm trying to think um like Ruins a good song as well. Yeah, Ruins a good song. Uh, right. Stuff for the album as well. Uh, did, 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 did say who gives. Oh, what song is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah well, that one is like. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't believe it. I'd like to rest. Thank you. There you go. Yeah, so that one I would have thought because that put them into like spastic. Like every time you hear just the start riff of that, they're going to go mental. It's like a slayer yeah, riff, you know? It's just yeah. like so iconic. But um, it's tricky though because you're like, what, 
what classifies your best song is the one you like in the, the guitarist yeah. be like oh this is my favorite song because it's my best solo but no one cares yeah so you're right it's one of those things you talk to one fan that's my best song because that's the first one i heard again to the band blah 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 mm. so it's pretty much an open question there's no real right answer for that but the right answer is laid to rest <laughs> More correct. <laughs> all right, so to return to Rainbow, uh, a soft spot in, in all our hearts. Me and Danny grew up listening to the band. Um, we even scratched out his vinyls. That's how much we love the uh, the band. First up, uh, we're talking about the first single in 20 years, Waiting for a Science, to be released next month. Danny, are you excited to hear Richie Blackmore's latest uh, concoction? Yeah, latest work he's done. The thing is, you should be a little nervous because he also did Richie Blackmore's Rainbow in the 90s, and that wasn't very good. But anything before that was pretty good. Yeah, and then he went to Blackmore's Night, which was, again, even worse. <laughs> that was very unrainbow. You know, that, that was this. <laughs> but when you have, um, you know, your wife and she's really hot and, you know, you want to get in that, I don't know if rainbow stuff would work. Although I would probably date someone more who's into, like, Kill the King than, you know, into folk music. But, you know, I'm a racist, so what do I, what do I care? I'm not sure how to do a race, but... <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, race of music selection. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. What do you think, Danny? This this track. Obviously, we're going to review it and listen to it. Are you pumped for it, or are you like, well, whatever? We've got twenty albums that are good anyway. Oh, look, again, you're always excited when like when a legendary guitarist of all time comes and decides to write new material, and they've got a very capable singer now. That Ronnie Romero bloke. He's mm. pretty much. He's not Dio, of course, but he's got a great tone and great ability to Is him. He even Julian Turner. He's, he, Nah, that's a different style, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's just, he's not him. Yeah, we'll go on to that in a second. But yeah. look, it, it will be cool to um, hear it just to see if he's still got the chops, if he's still, just what is he going to write? But to be fair, it's only one song. He's releasing like a whole back catalogue. I think they might be with a new singer, but there's only really one song. It's like, well, how does it fit into anything? What's the concept? What's the point? Is it going to be like an epilogue? Like, Yeah, will it be like songs? those classic ones from the Rising record or will it be more like, you know, the pop, rainbow stuff you know from straight through the eyes kind of stuff is that what you're talking about yeah yes that's why so look again it'll be interesting yeah it will be we're going to check it out but let's talk about joe lynn turner now um the guy i think wanted to be on the iranian rainbow reunion tour he didn't and now he's just gone ahead and performed rainbow and eugene mountains classics anyway for the fans in westland michigan so there you go i think it's the point where it's like well if you can't uh, beat them join them well I guess you can't beat him, so just do your own, join your own band, I guess. Yeah, do you reckon like Joe Lynn Turner, like after every song, he says, screw you, Richie, this one's for you. <laughs> and he sings like, kill the king. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I could have been on that reunion tour, but you chose like some young guy, even though he wasn't an original member, so whatever, I'll do yeah, the song. but he wasn't an original member either. He only sang it for four years. So like, you yeah. know, you just wanted to get back and be yeah. excited and feel care. Straight, straight about that uh, old um, uh, Blackmore penis, mate. Is that what you're thinking? We get the old part. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, look, at the end of the day, why not? It's still going to be close to hearing that kind of like iconic singing with it. But like you're saying, Ronnie Romero can pull his way through it. So he's not too bad. Go see Blackmore and go see Julian Turner. Um, so they're going to be around for a little bit longer. But who might not be? Gibson Guitars. They're facing a bankruptcy soon. Gibson Brand INC announced that. 16.6 coupon payment to holders of its 375 million 8.875 percent senior secured notes to 2018. What does that all mean, Daddy? Uh, yeah, that means stuff about finance, etc. Yeah. But in the in the layman's terms, apparently these guys are like 
$375 million in debt. Oh, man. And here's the thing. I found that the guitar market right now is pretty saturated, right? And also, there's a lot of young guys coming up with really cool-looking guitars, doing it on the real cheap. They're not having to pay big you know, shareholders and stuff like that, you know? Like guys like the guys from The Haunted as well, uh, England, he's done his own guitar line, you know? Jeff Loomis has moved off of Shrekton to Jackson and all these things. Like Everyone's just moving around. And it feels like Gibson in the metal scene in particular hasn't actually caught any big names or really kept up with the youth, you know, whereas some of these other guys really like Jackson, Schechter, uh, Fender to a degree, you know, ESP definitely, you know. So what's going to happen to these guys? Is there any way of turning back, Danny? Well, they only have three options and it doesn't sound good. Like one is like pretty much you need to come up with the money. Two is like you need to come up with some of the money to extend your debt loan for longer. Three is declare bankruptcy. So it's not looking good for Gibson. I think it's a zit for Gibson, which is, it is a shame. They're like pretty much the biggest guitar manufacturer for a while. And the one where people wanted, people wanted yeah. to play the Les Paul, people wanted to be an SGs as well. And yeah. People wanted the Gibson, but I think you're right. They might've like been like Kodak, uh, less uh, rest on the laurels. Yeah. Didn't see the change of like nature, what people wanted. Just thought that maybe yeah. nostalgia itself would sell to a lot of people. Maybe, um, mm-hmm. who knows with the way it's going, maybe they didn't give viable cheaper options or something, but maybe, I don't know. Cause PRS, they, they deal with very exotic guitars and they're still around floating around. So yeah, who maybe, knows? Maybe with the size stuff, like maybe they didn't get into pedals or like effects or software and stuff. Maybe they'd spend more money on that development they've gone down different avenues like Kodak Kodak films like yeah Polaroid film be forever then digital camera nah don't worry about digital Polarized yeah, film and, oh yeah. shit we've got any more money left oh, well. so uh, enjoy the in- unemployment line behind Kodak and maybe in front of the uh, CDs yes <laughs> who yeah. would have thought that man that's crazy um, what about this Empress Ishan to release 7th studio album Amir A- Amy Am- Amir it's got that weird little bunch of apostrophes in it, so whatever. Now, Ishan is the lead writer on Emperor, but now he's done his solo projects, and he's done a ton of work with Emperor, and now he's done a ton of solo albums. This guy just keeps churning out albums, man. Pretty much putting himself as the staple of one of the most important metalheads of our time that not many people that I'm aware of really know about, in a sense. Or at least he doesn't get a big recognition in Australia. Oh, yeah, but... What does that mean? Well, exactly, yeah. Well, that's from Australia. What does that mean? Because, again, he's from, like, black metal... And who really follows black metal in Australia? So there's not. Really, yeah, it's true. It's, it's a bit really harder. Massive. Yeah, we're more like thrash and hardcore yeah. in Australia. Yeah. So yeah, but look, uh, good on him. Seventh album, which is really cool. Um, yeah. He never smiles, which is always annoying because, like, come on, you don't do you enjoy writing music? <laughs> enjoy anything? Maybe that's life? why he keeps writing music still. Yeah. It's like trying to find that fleeting moment of happiness that yeah. he gets from running a riff. What is the point of happiness? <laughs> we always get sad. Just stay sad. Yeah, that's right. As long as they don't interview him so they don't bring me down too much. Yeah, because cool he has it. that whole like, weird philosophy, doesn't he? And laugh like people are worth nothing and blah, blah, blah. Oh, man, that's kind of annoying. Um, yeah, whatever. I've never actually worried about hearing what he has to say about anything. Is that bad? Oh, and I think I read it once. I was like, I was reading this. This is ridiculous. Like, yeah. just go live in a cave somewhere, man. It's, uh, anyway. Cave Caves in Norway. I'm guessing that would be pretty hard to come by, like neighbors, I would imagine. I've heard. Yeah. Um, what about uh, the Take Show Cancer? There's another, we're talking about another black metal band. Um, they were canceled over Nazi allegations. We're talking New York City's Antifa is one of the organizations that pressured to cancel the show. Now, this is a little bit like um, saying, all right, we don't want um, anyone to shoot anyone anymore from the National Rifle Association or like, you know, saying that violence is bad coming from the, the MMA or something. You know, this is just... A, a focus group who uses violence in order to stop certain other movements that um, 
claimed that it had never been violent that I've seen before. I don't remember Take making the news for punching anyone <laughs> in the head over they're not black metal enough, not wearing enough corpse paint. But all, um, all, those, all those Take fans after gigs rain the streets. Yeah. Like, trash so so I'm a little surprised that a lot of these uh, venues bow down to political correctness uh, pressure groups like Antifa when they make the news every second week or whatever. Um, rioting in some university or, you know, getting their knickers in a knot over something that's as trivial as a band playing in a, in a, uh, in a concert hall. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe it's been a slow week and I just want to Yeah, so like we're still relevant, you know. We're yeah. still doing stuff here, guys. You know, some, someone's like, well, when you have Patreons, maybe that you need to do this kind of thing to make it look like oh, to people maybe doing stuff. Yeah, because like, you know when you have a business or you have like a charity, you're, you're expected to do so much charity work or so much of your energy has to be for your your um, business model otherwise you can't declare tax or something yeah. so maybe part of Anthony's business model is okay every second week we have to like do something oh we haven't done anything this week shit we need our tax exemption alright protest that Ben alright good yeah there you go so I'm guessing that's all you can do about it because and it works that's the thing is like these, these and, and there's more gigs apparently threatened that are gonna come out to as well you know which is um, yeah, probably interesting hopefully look if they definitely can know for doing it, like people don't have to go to the concerts or whatever, but I just find that this bowing of pressure against it is not going to um, make it harder for them. It's going to make them easier to get like recognition and stuff, and especially metalheads will gather around something that um, people in the pop industry or, or in the mainstream will, will cry out is bad, especially if they've got no real reason for doing it. Yeah, hopefully it's like one of these guys get like anti-capitalism, like, so they start like, doing it against like pop musicians because that'd be really cool it's like oh we don't want Beyonce to play because like she's part of the capitalist model and the company who she works for has slave children in like India making like two dollar phones yeah. so yeah yeah let's let's like write those people that'd be cool yeah that'd be cool okay. actually well let's finish it off now with the Christina Scabia moment um, she's said in at least an article that quote her saying metal is still a male dominated scene which it is That's obvious, yeah, obviously yeah. Um, she also says that something around wouldn't it be um, that the, the, the only thing that's, uh, that she doesn't like about the scene is that it's still male-dominated she wants to see more women in it. Uh, whatever. It's kind of like, I don't mind that uh, we can empower people and get people behind to do whatever they want, but saying that it's a problem that there's too many men in it is pretty much like saying country music has a serious problem because there's not enough Pakistani people in it. Or like, you know, pop music sucks because there's not enough um, dogs whistling to the song of the um, of Friends episode or something. Like, it's completely arbitrary, isn't it? Like, well, but she she didn't really say it's a bad thing. She just said there's not an, there's it's male dominated. And there's too many men. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah towards, yeah, towards so the end of it, it kind of gave the impression of that. And I was like, um, I think what's more important is that people find that their artistic um, release in the music that in, industry or the stuff that that suits them the most. Metal isn't um, purely hated to any. Well, it hates everything in, in, in to, a, to a degree. You, know, you can't just say that... Um, Your name's Ishan Novak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every. Well, ask Take, apparently, you know, <laughs> um, white guys that have um, a, a hatred for other white guys or whatever, you know. It's, it's hard to really say that um, it is in itself um, bigoted in, in any case or it's bigoted against everything. So, um, hey, if, if anyone's out there listening that wants to be into metal, just get into it. It's plenty of industries have been dying for and... and um, not in the industry itself, like, um, but like I'm talking like managers and stuff like that, or, or or venues or gigs and stuff. They're always looking for for female ones because they know that we can sell, but they're just not out there at the moment. Yeah, but if you go to like the glam metal scene and hair metal scene, that's pretty much chick based. Oh, like, look, goth not, metal not, scene as yeah, well. Not in know? the um bands per se, but the crowds are massive, like female crowd base. So yeah, 
It's just a genre thing as well. Yeah, I think it's a genre yeah. thing. I think when you're looking for in certain metal demographics, it's it is more male focused, but in other ones it's not. So it's kind of like, hey, look, it's the way it is. But um, I I don't think it's necessarily bad that uh, any particular genre is dominated by a certain focus group. It's the way it is, and um, placate to that. I think there's a reason why maybe that group's going into that kind of style of music. Maybe not getting it from their parents. Yeah. In the end, look. Maybe we're all Batman. Maybe the people who listen to Death Metal are all Batman. Yeah. Or women. Yeah. That's, look, in the end. That's true. If you said that's true, <laughs> it's to me, Batman's out there. Yourself. I'm the real <laughs> Batman. I know. Yeah. yeah. But look, in the end, look, if there's more women there, I have a feeling a lot of guys wouldn't care. So nah. Get out nah. of the women, start writing music, start joining bands, start going to gigs. Man, I remember growing awesome. up as a kid, we wanted to go into clubs that had more women in there and stuff. Because, like, you know, we wanted to pick up or, like, at least get over our fix. We were at a uh, all boys school for, like, 15 years of our lives when we saw a girl we didn't know what, what to do like did you touch it it's like one of those weird things like the cavemen must have seen when they saw like the will for the first time yeah. and we're like wow. ooh it's round and pretty you know? so soft <laughs> don't fucking touch me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but anyway uh, look let's move on to our question this week the podcast question this week kept it nice and simple what is the worst gig you have ever been to and why is that? We wanted to ask that question because a lot of fans have been complaining about a recent Marlon Manson uh, uh, gig that he did at Long Island. And it was disgraceful. Apparently, it was like he did four songs, demanded the whole time that they love him or pet his bunny rabbit. And uh, eventually, he just went off the stage in a, in a yeah. big fuss. It was the biggest uh, tantrum seen by a uh, self-proclaimed uh, villain of metal and now he's a villain of his own fans to a degree. Apparently he came back and returned the next night or whatever and doing a great show, but a little too late. What was going on maybe? He's probably had problems with drugs and stuff in the past, parental issues. We don't know. Um, but Danny, that just kind of got the t- t- uh, conversation started of other people's uh, wasted uh, money investment in seeing a show to entertain them. So let's talk about that now. Yeah, it's been a lot. Actually, go back to that Marilyn Manson thing as well. He talked about like, you know, about love. I When I say love, you're supposed to say love back to me. And he said, your parents didn't raise you right. I haven't got any more parents because they're both dead. So blah, blah, blah. So that's whole Batman stuff. So he went to the whole Batman side of things. I knew it. <laughs> we just covered this uh, 15, 20 <laughs> seconds ago. And like, I can't believe how like on the mark I was with it. Oh, he Danny. can't be Batman. He's too thin. Anyway, yeah, we'll nah, bad, bad, bad shows. I'm ready more of a joker. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, so bad shows, yes. We've had bad shows. Mostly uh, like the local shows because they really have no attention to detail and they don't like practice, etc. Yeah, I find that uh, local shows, sometimes they're great because you, you find your hidden gem and stuff like that. But sometimes yeah. you find the one that will like stop playing halfway through it and just go on a diatribe for 40 minutes about politics but like they're unemployed and yeah. you know they're living out of their mum's basement and stealing their dad's drugs. So those guys from last year who like opened up that metal festival and they were drunk off their heads. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no one knew what they were playing. <laughs> they didn't even know they were playing. They were half naked as well, and they didn't have that nice body. They had that like beer oh, belly, dad, dad bod. Yeah, and they were made it worse. So they got invited to play on that like finished TV show. And they were drunk again. They oh, stuffed up again. Like, oh, anyway, no. so let's, uh, our fans, let's get to our fans before we start talking about our uh, yeah. scary stories. Well, what do we got, Danny? So the first one's Anamarctic. He said Megadeth. Because Megadeth. Lol. Yeah, lol's right. I think some people are just not Dave Mustaine fans. And I guess that's fair enough. He can, he's a bit like the, uh, uh, the Kajama from um, Metallica, uh, the Lars Ulrich. It's like he's got an opinion on everything. Corey Taylor, you know, the same kind of thing. You know, he's gone. Yeah, that's a bit harsh, but anyway. Uh, Luke Serta, Disturbed. Not, not a fan of our ice skating, I guess. 
<laughs> because because the tickets were purchased for me and I am a standing guy. They were seated and David Draham was a boring prick on stage, LOL. Yeah, I think when I saw Disturbed, I mean, their light show was spectacular. Production was wild, but I think he's right. He just kind of like stands in the middle and just... We, actually, we saw him at uh, Grass yeah. Pop. We saw him at Grass Pop. He doesn't smile and he just seems like you should be thanking him that he's there. Yeah. He just seems so... Remember how he did that? I think, nah, 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 disturbed, disturbed. Yeah, he started his own chant. He started his own chant. So he wanted to be entertained by the crowd. Yeah, that's right. After that, when when he finished Shout of Silence, he bowed. He (laughs) fucking bowed. (laughs) What are you... pretentious prick. (laughs) I forgot about that. That was one of the worst gigs I've ever been to. (laughs) You're welcome, society. Like, no, you oh, fuck. Oh, my God. That was so annoying. Wow, we'll oh, yeah. Yeah. Ian McCullum, uh, Catherine Will. Bland and boring. Funnily enough, they supported What Zombie, and that was the best gig ever. So, you know, the, ting, uh, the yin and yang of life, I suppose. Mm. That's actually interesting because that could be like that offset. Because it was so bad, it made What Zombie seem so much more better. Mm. But then if, if a better band started, What Zombie... Okay. Oh, that's right. I mean, I remember seeing Incubus once and they played a fairly good set, but that was balanced by um, a really bad DJ at the start. Like, he was not, he was playing that really weird, like, uh, music you hear on commercial breaks with toilet paper, but distorted, and it sounded really annoying. And everyone was booing him. It's like, get off, you know? And so, at the time Incubus came on, everyone was like popping. It was like, yeah, like, yeah. sweet release, you know? Just play anything, you know? Yeah, so, I, I get it, yeah. That that doesn't work for comedians though. Like if a really bad comedian opens up for you, that's yeah. it. Show's done type thing. Yeah, it's like hard. you, you got to save that. It's like nah, people are already pissed. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Yep, got uh, Luke Taylor. This is a weird band. It's called Allied United at Home. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen some average games. Um, I wouldn't say they're much entertainers. They're just more about getting the job done at the moment. But um, they play some good football at times. Yeah, they came back from two 0 down, so give them credit. Yeah. Okay. Next we shall move to Daniel Serdeblad. Bob Dylan wore a gigantic wizard hat, all right? Played obscure songs, uh, lights fade to black, then straight into the next song. Zero talk to crowd. He played Hard Rain, which Roxy Music played together mere weeks earlier. It was like watching a male Fran Drescher on lithium with tunnel vision and constipation. Only redemption was an 86-year-old BB King opening. Wow. Thankful my tickets were free. Maybe he's just past that point of being able to play live to be an entertainer. Do you know any bands that you've seen, Danny, that have people that should have probably retired but haven't? Funny enough, I don't think Iron Maiden belong in that because they're still very entertaining when I saw them, even though it was about four or five years ago. Yeah. Deep Purple. Oh, I mean, still doing their thing. Yeah, Black Sabbath because... I would say Black Sabbath yeah, had yeah. to retire. Like, yeah. Ozzy is not touring. He's not, he's not in a good place to tour anymore. When we saw him do it with Black Sabbath, the riffs and stuff sounded fine. Tony Omi seemed like he could hold his own. Um, but Ozzy's terrible now. Like, he's missing all that range. He's forgetting lines. It doesn't have that conviction anymore. It's a little bit like that haunting style because that's what he can deliver on. But, yeah... Their hiatus was a, was a while ago, and now that it's, I'm glad that Black Sabbath decided to call it. Yep, that's true. Uh, Patrick Malone says, as I distract. <laughs> what, what a great guy, right? Troll Just, a lot yeah. <laughs> I already called him a really bad liar, because I know I've seen that As I Distract show, just lusting over that guitarist on stage. You know, he's always in front of him, uh, just with his lovely golden hair, swaying it back and forth. Uh, 
I like to think that he has a soft spot in his heart for as I destruct. Yeah, I think that's he's just lashing out because he, he haven't played the gig in a while. And he's like, <laughs> "Why would you love me?" He's like, he's like Madam Manson. Why yeah. would you love just me? Just kind of like push him away, or so I don't hurt him anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Yeah, exactly right. Lucky last is Andres Lopez, a Cannibal Corpse of all bands, in two thousand and seven in Colombia. Uh, the promoter had a curfew of ten thirty, ah. and he decided to do a kind of mini festival and put several local bands to give them the chance to play with Cannibal Corpse. Long story short, Cannibal Corpse ran out of time, played seven to eight songs, and had the excuse Alex Webster had a bad diarrhea. Oh, oh. that's terrible! Imagine finishing a gig at ten thirty. Well, seven to eight songs. Their songs aren't ultra long. They're probably three four minutes. Yeah, you're, you're at yeah. your most angriest around eleven thirty. So like, yeah. you're missing potential like angry mosh pits that you would have had that you didn't. So yeah, it's really early too. Yeah. Uh, anything come to mind about the worst concerts, some of the worst experiences you ever had being at a live performance? Yeah, one was um, in Flames back in oh, ages ago. They played at old HQ before it got torn down. Yep. And pretty much the, the lead singer's mic wasn't turned up. You yeah, literally could, could not hear, hear him at all. Yeah. And people were yelling, yeah, turn your mic up, turn your mic up. Nothing. So the whole show. And HQ is known at the time for being one of the best venues in Adelaide to get sound. And I've got to be honest, I've seen some great shows there. Like Kill Switch Engage thing in there was amazing. I heard everything crystal yeah. clear. Like it was on a CD. Yeah. So, so that was disappointing. And yourself, mate? Can any come to um, mind? That's the thing. Uh, right now, all I can think about is really, really great shows. I've only had a really bad experience... Wow, no, I got nothing at the moment, man. I've got to be honest. Most of my experience has been really good. Trying to make the most out of a bad situation. Um, just yeah, I think when bands just get onto diatribes and talk about politics and stuff, uh, and they forget that they're there entertained, um, is another thing a problem. What's that thing? I've got another one. That was um, I saw Opeth back at Thebe Theatre again ages ago, yeah. and they pretty much played all like the slow songs. And even Mikel said during the set, "Oh, he's." He goes, some of you guys might not like this set list because there's more of our slow strip back songs. I was like, what? No, I pay my money to see your good songs. You play your good songs. So, yeah. And for him to be like self-aware of it made it even worse. Yeah, it's like, you know your market, you know, but they're like, we're trying to you know, drag their new fans into the style that they've always wanted to play or at least they, they're not into the metal right now so they're going to move away from it. And like you said, a lot of them were keeping and screaming into it and some of them didn't make it at all. Like me, I was like, okay, if that's the direction you're going into, no worries, I'll just take my money and bring it over somewhere else. So no love lost there. Speaking about Opeth, I think we should really get into our band that we're reviewing this week, which is In Vains. All right, so let's talk about the band In Vain. Uh, this new album that they've released is actually something which uh, came off guard. I've actually forgotten to... Uh, to go the top down. Do you know the name of the item's called? Yeah, Currents. Thank you, Currents. There you go. That's right, because on the front of the cover, it's like literally a wave and stuff. It looks like one of those Norse mythology kind of uh, books in a sense. And I think that gives you a, a sense of the epicness of the album. It has a very much, uh, when you look at the album first enough, you get that feeling of isolation, desolation, despair. And uh, yeah, the album definitely gives you that. But did we like it, Danny? Well, I guess that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the album's... Um Seven song album, about yeah. 45 minutes. Yeah. Pretty good for a, a um, album. But I guess straight away you know that seven songs, 45 minutes, long songs. Yeah. You're going to automatically think progressive in nature. Yeah. That's true. They have to be. When you're going to do seven minutes, you can't have a seven minute blast beat or a seven minute acoustic section. Well, you can do a seven minute acoustic section, but to be a metal record, then yeah, we, we aren't buying it. You know, this, is, this is a metal uh, album through and through. 
Now, getting into it's been tricky because this time of year, like you said, Danny, it's hard to know what's going out. There's been a lot of albums for me that have been more progressive in nature that have definitely hit the mainstream eye for the metal industry. And this uh, band caught me off guard because the first thing I heard was a um, more, more like death metal feel from the first track, which is Seekers of the Truth. Very sad song, but it's got a bit of tech, deathy kind of elements to it, like listening to Opeth slash with a bit of death, like a Chuck Schroeder yeah, kind of exactly. style. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice song, though, and it got me excited for the rest of the album. I was like, damn, this is actually... Um, and then I thought, you know, it's pretty simple kind of like words, but a little bit of that technical style with the time signatures and stuff. Then you hear some guitar solos and that, like, wow, these guys can actually seriously play as well. Like, this, these musicians across the board are pretty good. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it starts with like that type of groove type death riff. In yeah. The start. But then the, like, the chorus gets like really that minor happy m- melody, which mm. like, again, is very nice. It, it's, it, it goes well. The, one thing I get through this whole album is all the songs have a nice flow to all their they songs. They do, yeah. Yeah, they do a great balance between like the heavy and depressing and then the happy and then building atmosphere. Yeah, the only time I wouldn't yeah. think so was maybe track three when they did yeah. a couple of dream theater-esque moments where they kind of threw more things together and tried to be more ambitious with it. But for the most part, you're right, most tracks on this have a great flow and a, you know, a, a dedication to kind of songwriting and, and a, uh, a philosophy around that. Um even with the second track where you got start to hear more jazz influences as well with Soul Adventurer. It's a nice song, good place. And you've got those uh, math-sounding transition riffs as well. So these guys are clever. They're, sh- they're throwing a few curveballs at you with familiar sounds but mashing them together with different um, kind of like time signatures and uh, different styles as well to a degree. Yeah, now this time here, they actually like strip back the chorus and have the clean vocals. And they love to use that layered clean vocal feel to yeah. give that atmosphere and give that motive feel. And I don't think the guy's using it because he can't sing. I have a feeling he can sing quite well. He, yeah. Just purely using it to get a um, to give you that feel. Yeah, I feel like even with songs like Blood We Shed, they go with that whole acapella section with the boys to men kind of influence, <laughs> you know. And it's like you're saying, there's a bunch of guys like layered and stuff, and it sounds sweet and sensitive. But um, yeah, the song itself is interesting. It's got a lot of things going. It's got Hammond organs. It's got the death metal stuff. It's got clean singing. It's got dark diminished stuff as well. It feels like a mashup between the damn uh, Deliverance album from Opeth and like a Mastodon song with a bit of Dream Theater and stuff. It really feels... And it's the only song for me that really kind of feels a little over the place where it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it was a bit of just them having fun with the song. But um, compared to the first two tracks, it was a little, a little strange, a bit more jarring, Danny. Are we talking about track three now? Yeah, track three, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, with Blood We Shed. Yeah, it starts off different, get more heavier, more like aggressive, I guess, in the tone, um, more like it's a bit sludgy with yeah. the riff. So they, they try to make it more aggressive in that tone. So it, it, look, again, at least they're changing it up a bit. I wasn't really happy with the production of this song. I thought the start sounded, and I didn't really, didn't really emphasize the heaviness of the like, guitars or maybe the bass or something. It didn't feel like there was something missing okay. to help like just really nail you. Into yeah. it. I feel like the drums are pushed back really far, yeah. which might be why, because it's, um, yeah, that's what it felt like to me as well. Uh, moving on to the next track where it's uh, In Foragangen Tid uh, Times of Your Part 2. Now, um, I don't even think this one's in English. I was, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because uh, it had like some nice, like kind of Dimmy Borgia, kind of blackened symphonic black metal kind of intro, which sounded really nice. And they kind of repeat that kind of vibe in the, la- in the last track as well, where it's nice and symphonic and all these you know, strings and beautiful stuff. Very depressing and slow song. And I feel like now going into the, the second half of the album, moving into it, it departs a little bit from that anger and it's more about that sadness and dread. And even the songs now have a, a more deliberate flow about them too. Yeah, definitely. They, they do that whole um, slow guitars over double kicks. It's always yeah. good. It gives that nice contrast because you have like 
sadness over aggression so it gives you the angst there yeah it's good and they use like again a bit more choir and chanting a bit of organ sound here so it's good like they, they do like quite well between like the heavy and the the soft and the melodic they do they always do a good balance I was, again they do it quite well and yeah. yeah, you got those dreamy octaves as well going into the next track, Orange, Origin, a bit of more of that jazzy, proggy style as well at the start. Unusual, like, three, four kind of tire signatures, but the drummer seems to be doing some crazy stuff as well. Um, again, it's got, like, a very somber, dark tone to it. Um, definitely not one to lift the spirits up. And um, the singing as well got some sensitive moments as well in it. So it's really, like, trying to break it up. And I guess that's the whole thing of this band is a lot of, like, different moments in it but they're all kind of like about creating a very dreary atmosphere and pretty much like being isolated alone on a boat in the middle of the ocean where the waves like crash into your boat you feel like the boat's going to tip over at any point yeah and it's pretty sad yeah you know back in the, the homeland you're like brothers like banging yeah misses. exactly you've been away from your loved ones for like 30 yeah, 30 years and uh, forgot, you're starting to remember what they look like but you can't and this is the album you put on to listen to yeah, they're definitely right. Um, yeah, going into the next track as well, uh, As the Black Horde Storms, more technical of a death metal intro. Uh, it feels a little bit like the earlier kind of opus stuff, blast beats as well. Don't They were interesting, but again, like, they were like barely audible. Um, screaming, more Banshee-inspired now, more black metal yeah. inspired as well. Yeah, that was cool. And again, this is the thing. I, I can go through the whole album and even score as the last track. The amount of seeing um, decisions of, of different variations is actually really impressive. I don't know an album that I've listened to in a long time that has this many variations in the vocal style. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's actually a good point. Like, I think, unless we go to things like Persephone and stuff, I guess we'll talk a bit later, but yeah. those bands use a mixture of everything, Yeah, which is good, and I'm not sure, but the Trade Martyrs did as well. This guy here, and, and going into the last track, just quickly touched on it, Standing on the Ground of Mammoths, he does the Judas Priest screeching style of vocals at the end of yeah. it. Yeah. So the- he's doing like the Boys to Men harmonies, <laughs> the normal soft Macau Ackerfeld singing, You've got his growls, which are on point. He's got his banshee screamings that are on point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he does that kind of like falsetto stuff as well. He only does it once in the whole album. Where it's like, you know, that note. He's like, eh. he's yeah, like hitting yeah. that note, but he does that kind of like, you know, poppy. It wasn't the strongest thing. note, but... Now, it wasn't, yeah. but hey, he can do it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, whatever. I can't think of... If it's one guy, I can't think of another guy who's that dedicated to that many um, uh, styles. Yeah, it's true. He's got a bag of tricks this guy. Even yeah. at the end, he hits that like that communic like underneath the luminous sky part, that high yeah, part screaming yeah, yeah. skrill. That's, that's right. Cool. And he does that really cool one where he kind of does it into a growl. It's like, yeah. It's yeah. like, damn, that was cool. No, that's right. You're right. He's got a lot of back tricks. Again, I'm not sure if it's one guy. It, it's hard to say if it is because it's one time there's like layering, but you just don't know that's post-production if they do that layering. But hey, it's good. Again, that's that's another thing. Like with guitarists and stuff, they use different distortions, different effects to give different sounds. <laughs> This guy can do it himself. So. Yeah. Um, even the way songs are structured, there's so many different variations. The different styles, the use of different instrumentation. You even got a sax solo yes. in the last track. You First know? I've heard of sax solo, apart from Monuments. But yeah. apart from them, these guys are the only guys that yeah. play sax. You got sax, metal. you got strings, you got different guitar riffs, um, just a lot of different variations in the instrumentation on this album. But it's only briefly touched on most times with different instruments and... Uh, Mostly it's just a riff-centered album to a degree as well. Yeah. But I think the problem, actually with track seven, the way they ended, I think, was a bit weird because they, they do like their, their heavy riff course, blah, blah. But then mm. it comes to that massive acoustic section at the end and they play the sax. Mm. And you think, oh, it's, not, it's actually not a bad way to end the album. That's fine. But then they cut back into the yeah. heaviness again and then a bit more heavy and then a bit more acoustic to the end. It's yeah. like you, you didn't really have to like throw that last heavy section in. You could just end it with that. That sensitive stuff. I thought yeah. it was quite good. Um, that's the thing. So you've got a lot of things good for it. So 
it's it's an interesting album to talk about because there's a lot going on at the same time. A lot of new things that a lot of people haven't heard, but it's a little bit in the familiar. It's like if Mastodon and Opeth were a metal band again, this would probably be what we'd be listening to, you know. Uh, it kind of does take a lot from those elements of just the unusual, um, but also grounded in a heavy metal environment. Um, I want to talk about the, just the overall album now. I think we'll talk a little bit about each track so we can put them all together. One thing, like I said, the, the pacing of each song is great. Like, well, generally pretty good. You know, they, they, they go through a nice wave of emotions. Um, and also, it's just enjoyable the whole time. Yeah, no, exactly right. I, again, I was very surprised with this album, cause, but it was a good surprise because the fact is that you weren't, I didn't know what to expect first I've listened to the band, but they do that so well. Like, can take you into right, take your emotions change up like the drumming the guitar feels the different yeah. riffs like different ascending riffs descending riffs get minor bit of like stick like staccato riffing bit of sporadic riffing to just break up a bit bit of tension yeah all lots, lots of well. gambles lots of rolls of the dice you know they try to push themselves especially with the third track but most of the time they're just trying to sell a good song and structure it through fairly well um aside from maybe like the track three and track eight or actually track seven and track three um most of the album is written in a point where it's like a, a a genuine um, expression and you're kind of going along with it. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. not, they're not doing anything too bad to take you out of the moment. That's true. Um, yeah, I found for myself, you know, most of it was actually, yeah, even like with, again, the singing was great, operatic, sensitive, Viking chanting, screams, growls, that kind of stuff. So it's impressive. The thing I did find though is that after the third or fourth track, I did find that even though it had so much going on, it did feel like, an air of familiarity and I did kind of zone out in the last two-ish tracks like track um, with the tracks for example track uh, uh, Origin and As the Black Chord Storms I did kind of feel like not that I've heard it before but that it didn't really interest me as much because I think they did that so much better in songs like um, So Adventurer and Seekers of Truth that by the end of the album I was like I already had my peak of enjoyment with it yeah, true. That could also be like the style, like maybe not yeah. in tune to the style. Because again, you're right. If every now and then, if they break it up with a real heavy, chunky like riff, like evil section, that'd be cool. But it's kind of like a heavy out album without being a heavy album because the distortion's not overly predominant. The drums aren't overly predominant. So it sounds like they're trying to go for like a tone throughout the album that... Yeah, I guess so. It's like soft but heavy type thing. I don't know. See, it's weird. Maybe it's like a production thing or maybe it's just... I mean, the guitar tone was quite nice, quite... Guitar tennis. Yeah, it, it, it didn't feel like... I, I, I mean, I instantly kind of fell in love with it, right? It was like looking at a really hot chick, but then discovering that she, like, murdered her parents or something. Like, you know, it's like, wow, this thing is just so beautiful and so amazing. But she has that kind of twist, which I don't really like. I think it's more that she, like, doesn't wash her feet. Not that she killed her parents. That's probably too... You'd be instantly like, whoa, this, this album sucks, which is it doesn't. It's just kind of, like, got that thing about it that I just can't be with it all the time and listen to it a lot more. But going to it, listening to it a few times, the, a couple of tracks that I loved was awesome and I really didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah, it just felt like sometimes when they were pushing the too, too many styles or too many things, it felt like it was more for, to show them how what they can do and how, how diverse and inspirations they've got. But I felt like early on that the first two tracks, it was more about just a great song with a real great feel and just really paying attention to it. And um, sometimes they really hit the mark for me, like no, no other band has. And, and some of the songs that's got kind of, like I said, got a little lost. wasn't really for me, a bit boring. Just nothing really got me going. But a mixed album feel, but when at the, the peaks of this album is really, really good. 
Yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought, yeah, it's pretty good. You won't be disappointed if you listen to this album, I reckon. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's going to be tricky for people to get into it. But the thing is, the people going to Opeth and Mastodon, uh, if anyone's into that kind of style, but yeah, it's going to be interesting because a lot of people will be taken away from being too heavy and some people will be taken away where it's too sensitive because I think it really does cover a very expansive array of genres and styles in this album but generally grounded in a very sad one, which I think, again, will be, for too many people, um, a hard one to get into. But it's a great, it's a great um, ambitious drive, and the talent of the musicians enough can put it above a lot of bands out there too. Yeah, no, yeah definitely. I think it's good. And in the words of In Vain, blood we shed for you in artistic creation, blood we shed for you in the ocean to our arms. I don't know if that's profound or not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if the last song because I had to hear it to like write it down, so I'm not sure if I heard it correctly. But okay. I, I always say I did, and why not? Yeah. Because you know, that is somehow true in our life and what we experience. Well, with that, we <laughs> are at this end of our Super Metal Brothers happy hour, I guess. I don't even know if we made it that far. But um, if you guys want to ever let us know of an album you want us to review or a news story you want us to cover, feel free to head over to our Facebook account, facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro. And uh, yeah, just head us, give us a like and send us a message and we'll be happy to cover your story or the CD that you like. We are getting into some big months of metal now. Um, February now, towards the end of it, it's going to be a lot of releases. So we can definitely get into that. And um, I'm sure more mishaps from uh, Gene to keep us going for the rest of the year. Actually, he's been a bit quiet lately. Thank God. Mm. I can't cover him every week. It just makes my soul hurt, honestly. I listen to this album more from In Vain in order to make myself feel better. With that, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Thank you for listening to the Super Metal Brothers this week. We'll catch you next one. Catch you.